Courtside Moms, I'm your host, Wendy Sparks. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Joyce Canada, the mother of two-time champion Jordan Canada of the Seattle Storm. Let's bring Joyce on the show. So today, I would love for you to paint a picture for me of Jordan's career and where it all began. So please tell me how she took interest in the sport and where she first played. Okay, well, actually... um we never knew Jordan was, you know, actually interested in basketball. I, I actually worked for Los Angeles uh, Unified School District, and um, I was the office manager there. And one of my um, one of my office partners, she used to go out on the playground every day, and she would watch the kids play. And so Jordan actually went to the same school where I, I had worked, and she came in one day and she said, "Do you know your daughter is really good at basketball?" I said, "What?" She says, "Yeah, she's on the on the court beating all the all the boys." <laughs> and this was elementary school. That's awesome. And I said, "What?" So she said, "Yes." So she said, "You should go out there and watch her play." She said, "But she says my granddaughter played um, club ball, and now she's uh, graduating from Fairfax High, and she's getting ready to go to San Diego. Uh, she got a scholarship, and I would like for you to call." Um, my granddaughter's club coach and take Jordan to her and, you know, let her see, you know, what she can do or, you know, um, I'll introduce you and, you know, she could join the park and rec team. So I said, really? So she says, yeah. So she said, I really think you should do this. So actually we had asked Jordan, are you interested in, you know, playing club ball? And she says, no, I really want to run track. So I said, okay. So we have a neighbor, a neighbor that used to live downstairs. Her daughter ran for the LA Jets, okay. which is a famous track club team in LA. It's a national team. So we took her to try out. And she actually did pretty well. She went around the track and I mean, she was dusting everybody. <laughs> and this was her first tryout. And these kids had been in the program for like a year or two. And then halfway around the court, I mean, around the track, we noticed she stopped and started walking across the field. And we were like, wait a minute, why did she just stop in the middle of a trial, a tryout? And so she comes across the court and me and my husband ran over to her. She must be hurt. She says, I don't want to do this. And we said, what? She said, I don't want to do this. And I said, why? She said, this is too hard. <laughs> and we were like, too hard? You you are beating everybody, Jordan. You're quick. You're fast. She said, I don't want to do this. So we said, okay, fine. So the very next week, we asked her, well, do you want to go try out for basketball? So we took her to Park and Rec, and she walks in, and there's Coach Sherry. And she looks at Jordan, and she says, hey. She says, I know you. And we said, what? She says, yeah, she went to a, a preschool called Taylor Tops and Sherry did the photography oh. for Taylor Tops. And unbeknownst to us, she had taken pictures of Jordan and she says, yeah, you're a Taylor Top. And we said, oh, wow, what a small world. So from there, she tried out for Coach Sherry. And of course, she was rough around the edges and um Coach Sherry decided to put together uh, a national team. Okay. So she was she was playing park and rec, 
for her. And the girls were actually two years older than Jordan. Jordan was like the youngest, um, the youngest player on the team. And the other girls were two, two years older. So her first experience was, and they were losing, mind you. She put this team together. They lost every single park and rec game. And then Sherry decided to have a meeting with the parents. And she says, hey, you guys, do you want to um, become a club team? And we looked at her and we said, a club team? These girls are losing every single park and rec game. Why would we want to become a club team and have to pay and fundraise to travel? It doesn't make sense, Sherry. So she says, well, you know what? I see something that you guys don't see. She says, I know you don't see it yet, but these girls have raw talent. Right. And by the time we're finished, we're going to be a national team. So we trusted her. We said, okay, we trust you. Lo and behold, finally, they got a chance to go to nationals. They were really good. Mm -hmm. They started beating all the teams around Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley, San Bernardino, and um, it was our turn to go to nationals. So it was a 10U nationals in Florida at, you know, Disney mm -hmm. World. Right. And uh, we went and they beat every team they played. Not only did they beat them, but they beat them by a margin of 25 points. And they also wound up going into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. That year. So that was very, very, very rewarding, very interesting. Um, Jordan was eight years old when she won her first national. So that's how we actually got started. So she was and in the third then grade from, then, right? She was in third grade. Yeah. And so what we did was we started going to nationals every single year mm -hmm. on, until she got to uh, high school. And then when she got to high school, her club team, GBL Lady Rebels and Cal Sparks, which is another Los Angeles club team, merged and um, they formed a high school team. Right. And uh, from there, we went to, you know, we played in tournaments around circuit. And from ninth grade to 12th grade, you know, she got viewed and um, she was offered a scholarship practically to every division one division two, division three university. And, um, you know, it was just amazing to see. I still have the box of letters that, you know, was sent to her. I think every mother and, does, by the way, every mother I've yes. spoken to, we always talk about the box of letters that we have <laughs> for yes. all these scholarships that our children have been offered. And to me, I just, I just love it. Like I, I just love rummaging through them sometimes and, you know, reminding yeah, my I, son, do you remember this school? Do you remember this school? <laughs> right, exactly. So before that, well, when did she play for Team USA? Because that would have been during her high school years, correct? She, right. She played for Team mm -hmm. USA in her, I believe it was her freshman year. Right. Um, she went to South after Korea. After she played in, she went to South Korea. No, actually, she went to Mexico. Okay. They played, they played in Mexico. That was her first uh, tournament that she played in. And um, that was the 16U tournament right. that she got selected to go to. So that was her first experience with USA. And, um, 
you know, that, that also was very, very enlightening and a very proud moment for mm-hmm. us, you know, um, you know, because girls, they try out, they come from all over, you know, all over the country and for her to be selected at that time was very very special absolutely and at that time she was the leader of the team and she was the youngest player so she was the youngest player yes and she and Rissae Caldwell um were the point guards the two point guards for the team and um and they're very good friends to this day that's amazing so so it's amazing at such a young age how did she handle that big responsibility as the leader of the team you know um you know what she has always been the point guard, even for her club team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of responsibility has always been placed on her. So at that point, she was ready. Mm-hmm. And her first year of high school, um, which she went to Winward High, she had um, a professional coach. He, you know, he, Coach Smith actually um, was assistant coach for the LA Sparks at the time. Mm. So he, you know, he was a professional coach. And from day one, the minute she walked in the gym to report for her first meeting high school, he handed every player a playbook. And they were like, what? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) So he said, "Uh, yes, this is a professional playbook. I want you guys to study this because these are the plays that we're going to be running, okay? And so she had already pretty much was mature, you know, um, and could handle responsibility. She played in a lot of big games and club ball. There was a lot of big moments where, you know, it was one or two points and, you know, she had to pull out the win. And um, so she was used to that. She At that point, she had already you know, been used to that. Of course she was nervous because, you know, oh, yeah. it was her, her, um, first time, you know, playing for USA. And, uh, she was, you know, she was a little nervous, but I think she, she did pretty well right, for her first time out. Now going to high school, at what point, um, did the NCAA colleges begin approaching her and what was the ultimate necessity that she needed from a school in order for for her to choose that program, well, actually, she had um, she had been going to a school called View Park um, for middle school, okay. and um, it was a very good school. You know, at the time, it was charter school, and uh, you know, it was advised to me by you know several people to move her because they had um, a basketball program. But it, you know, it wasn't prominent at the time. And also, um, you know, to move her as far as academics was concerned, because, you know, Division One colleges require a certain academic level, a certain GPA. And in order for her to get to that point, it was advised that we, you know, move her and uh, try to put her in a private school or a school that would give her some recognition. Um, Wimward actually was not known for sports. Wimward was actually known for their academics. So um, it was interesting because they recruited actually four players from her club ball team 
to form this team at Windward. And um, luckily, all of them had GPAs that would get them into the school um, because we were just those type of parents. You know, academics came first, sports came second because you can't get anywhere without the academics. So um, actually... She went to Windward and um, she took a look at the school. She was invited to take a tour and by Coach Smith because he had seen her play in a um, in a club a club game. And he came over to her and he said, um, you know, are you would you be interested in taking a look at Windward? And she said, um, yeah, I, I think so. So he says, well, what's, what's your GPA like, you know? So she said, well, it's a 3.78. So he said, perfect. So he said, um, you know, let's uh, invite you and your your parents to take a tour. So we took a tour of the school and she fell in love with it because it's a very small private school. Um, okay. when, she, when she graduated, you know, from 12th grade, there was only like 70 graduates. So um, she took a look at it and she says, I really think I want to go here, mom and dad. So... Um, she took a test. She passed. We put her in there. And actually, the four of them, you know, forming the team around them, um, they became, I mean, a real, it put, it put Winward on the map as right. far as girls, girls basketball. So does that um, when NCAA came calling? The NCAA came calling in um, actually when she was in eighth grade. You know, she got her first uh, offer. I won't say to what school because I don't think it's, you know, it's appropriate. (laughs) Yeah, it's not relevant. But uh, she got her first offer in eighth grade. Right. And um, at the time, we said absolutely not, you know, because you don't make a commitment like that, uh, that that early, because actually you don't know what, you know, you really want at this point, you know. Um, I just want to say, you know, it's good for you as a parent to recognize that because a lot of parents would just jump on that opportunity right away. Like, oh, someone's mm-hmm. calling. They think you're great. Okay. And commit. And right. years later, you know what I mean? Either, you know, your, your talent now, the child's talent is way better than it was, say, three years prior. And all these right. big schools want to come calling or bigger schools, I should say, or different programs where you probably would have been, you know what I mean, easier road to get to, say, playing pro, and yet you already have this commitment, which we know is hard to break. Exactly, exactly. And not only that, I mean, you know, now nowadays a lot of people commit and then they break their commitment, you know. I mean, that's going on right now. Um, But for us, we feel as parents, you know, once you commit to something, you commit. You know, your word is your, you know, your bond. Absolutely. So um, at that point, we said, you know, you have you have so many more opportunities out there and you just have to, you know, focus and really see where, you know, see where you want to go at some point And, you know, at a later stage, right. you know, maybe in 11th or even 12th grade, you know, so. So she chose UCLA. So what was behind the, that decision process? We actually was shocked that she chose UCLA and chose to stay home. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is she didn't take any of her official visits other than UCLA. 
And actually, she didn't even take an official visit to UCLA. We went on an unofficial visit. And when we went to the school, of course, they rolled out the red carpet, even on an unofficial visit. And she had a chance to, uh, you know, to talk to several of the staff and at the time, um, the basketball coach, football coach, um, his name is, is kind of escaping me now. Um, but anyway, he sat down and he talked to Jordan and he asked her, why do you want to come to UCLA? You have all of these other offers. What makes you, you know, mm-hmm. want to commit? And so she says, well, you know what? I'm on an unofficial visit right now and I'm not quite sure, you know, whether I want to come here or not. This is, you know, this is just the first school I'm taking a look at. Right. And, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens um, with Coach Morrow. But anyway, so we had, you know, talked to other schools and, you know, asked her where she wanted to go. And we had sort of official visits lined up. But she went and played her final game in high school. And uh, it was a championship game for state. And um, she went and they lost. And they lost badly. And Winwood was used to winning. You know, yeah. they won. She, they, they won their first state in her freshman year. But anyway, she went and they lost badly. And um, I think that kind of had an effect on her. Because she was thinking, you know what, this is a big disappointment to me. And I have all of this support around me, you know, to help me through this. If I go away to some other school or if I leave the state of California and not try to bring a championship home, you know, to to my to my own home local university, I don't think I want to do that. If I'm going to win a championship, it's going to be for California. Wow. So she had great loyalty. She had great loyalty. So we said, okay, you know, um, but she still hadn't committed to UCLA because there was other schools in in Los Angeles, in Southern California that had offered her. And then one day I was in the grocery store shopping and she calls me on my cell phone. And I look at it, and it's her, and I picked it up. She says, Mom, I'm ready to commit. I said, commit to what? (laughs) You know, because I didn't expect that. I said, commit to what? She says, I'm ready to commit to UCLA. So I said, wait a minute. I said, I'm in the store. I'll be home in 15 minutes. We have to sit down and talk about this, because this is serious, you know? So when I got home... My husband, I and her, we sat down and she said, I'm ready to commit to UCLA. We said, are you absolutely, positively sure? She said, yes, I want to stay home. I want to stay yeah. local. I want you guys to be able to come and support me. I want family to support me. And, um, you know, I um, I want to go here. And at the time, Rose Caldwell had been offered a scholarship before her. And, you know, they were good friends and, you know, she had called Jordan up and she says, hey, you know, what about us playing together? You know, I know we both play the same position, but, you know, I really think that this would be a good opportunity for us and, you know, to try to do this together, win a championship together. But it's good that she took her time and really thought through that 
you know what I mean, to make her choice because it's it's important. Yes, you know, yes as, she did. Yeah, you know what I mean, as the players to to really stop and think what they want and not what other people right. think that they should do. So she really took her time exactly. and said, you know what, let me think about exactly. this. And yeah, her reasons to me, I think they're, right. they're awesome. But let's talk about her college experience yeah. now. I mean, she was there for four years, mm-hmm. but let's talk about the games and her team and her accolades and her love for the mm-hmm. game at that point from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, her first year, it was really hard. Um, because she had been used to, um, you know, playing, you know, kind of loose and free in high school. And, you know, college is much more structured. So um, her first year was very, very difficult, you know, and she came off the bench a lot in her first year, and she was used to being the star point guard. So that was a little bit of an adjustment for her. And uh, her and Coach Corey, but they really butt heads the first year. And um, Peter and I, as parents, we never interfere. Never have we interfered um, all the way through her college basketball career. Um, the coaches, that's their responsibility. They handle it. You know, we have no say-so. So, uh, you know, Coach Corey told her, you know, you have to learn how to play structured basketball and it's a process you can either do it this way or you can choose to do your own thing but the right way is to play structured basketball yeah because this will take you further than any other you know this this will lead you to the pros okay so she was upset you know oh after the first year i'm transferring i can't and we said, oh, absolutely not. You know, you chose UCLA and that's where you're going to stay right. because you're not there only for the basketball. You're there for the education as well. Yeah. So her second year as a sophomore, um, it got a little easier for her. Um, she started adjusting to, you know, to the program. The academics for her, it really wasn't a struggle because she had went to Winward and Winward is a college preparatory uh, college and they structure you for the college program, right. which was, which was good. So the adjustment period for, as far as academics, it, you know, it really, she really didn't have that much of a struggle. It was the basketball side of things yeah. that she, she struggled with. And so finally she um, said, you know what? I'm tired of fighting with coach Corey. I'm going to try it her way. And when she did that, it just became a different process. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it was easier for her by the time she got to her junior year. You know, that's when she really came into her own and she started, you know, um, getting the accolades from, you know, the Mm Pac-12 and being noticed and, um, you know, the um, WNBA coaches started calling Coach Corey and said, OK, this is what we want you to prepare her for for. This is what we want to see out of her game. You know, so by the time she gets to be a senior, um, we want to see, you know, um, some different aspects of her game so that we can uh, draft her. But at this point, and- was the WNBA evident now? 
Like, did you, like his mom, were you it sold still wasn't now? Evident. It, still, it still wasn't evident to me, yeah. you know. Um, we always wanted her to reach that goal because she had wanted it so badly. Um, and she made a decision, you know, from the time she won her first nationals, this is what I want to do. This is, this is, I want a basketball career. So, you know, us as parents, it's evident. I mean, there's so many girls in this game, you know, and there's only a few spots, even scholarships, Mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, we just prayed a lot. We prayed, we prayed a lot and, you know, we just said, let the process fall where it may. Absolutely. And we didn't fight it. We just went with it. And I think that was the major, um, the, ma- the major, you know, the really major issue that we didn't fight against it. We just went with the flow. And by the time she got to, you know, to, to be a senior, um, it was it was it was evident, but yeah. we didn't know. We were still nervous because you never know what'll happen, and we didn't know exactly where she was going to fall in the draft. Well, you know, that's normal. I mean, just first of all, just to believe that your daughter's going to make the draft. I mean, that's a whole other thing, right? But at this point, right. now you're thinking, okay, she has a possibility of becoming um, a professional basketball player. So, did you get an agent at this point? Um, you know what? We actually didn't get an agent until um, we actually went to the draft in New York. That's when we sat down. We were we were looking at agents um, probably, I would say, the second week before the draft. Mm-hmm. We started, you know, interviewing agents. Um, but actually, we weren't sold on one until we went to New York and... The agent says, well, I'm going to be in New York for the draft, Mm -hmm. so I will meet you, Peter, and Jordan, and we can sit down and talk. Right. And we were very excited because New York is my hometown. So for, yeah, for the draft to be in New York, it was, like, really exciting, and my family was just, you know, ecstatic. And you know what? It's so funny because when she was playing club ball up to this point, my family, we would be traveling with her during the summer all around the country. And they would say, you know what, when are you coming home? When are we going to see you? And all of our vacations was on the road with her during the summer. And they couldn't understand why, you know, because I don't come from a really sports family. Right. You know, so they were like, you know, what's going on here? What is this? This is ridiculous. What's so special about going on the road? What's so special? (laughs) When she went to that draft, I mean... (laughs) They all were just ecstatic because they watched her all play all through college. And so they really said, they said, okay, now we see it. Now we understand, you know, what the process you were going through, why you didn't come home, why we didn't see you. So all of them couldn't go to the draft, obviously, but they were watching on TV. And uh, my sister and my niece were there with us. And we had a big party after the draft. But basically, we chose her agent um, at the draft. That is actually different. (laughs) But what was important to you now with choosing someone to represent your daughter? Um, I wanted to make sure that they were going to have her best interests at heart. Absolutely. Um, Not the agencies. Yep. You know, I mean, of course... 
you know, they, it's business and I understand that, but I wanted someone who was really going to be, um, concerned about her, Yeah, you know, and also, um, someone who actually had played the game that was important so that they could understand her and help her through, you know, um, the rough times, Mm -hmm. because it's not always going to be, you know, it's not always going to be good. There's going to be rough patches, yeah, and, absolutely. you know, and we know that. So that's why we to- chose um, Tisha Pinachero. So, okay. you know, and also when she went overseas, we also wanted to make sure that she was uh, keeping track of Jordan and, you know, calling in and finding out how she was. And, you know, yeah, oh, of course. And, yeah. and that's an agent's role. Now, right. I know um, how an NBA player uh, prepares for the draft, but I'm not mm-hmm. really too sure how a WNBA player prepares for draft night. So can you please walk me through that? Like what did she have to do to get ready now to, to, for draft night? Like do they have to visit or do they have to do workouts for teams? Like how does that work for women? Well, um, the, only really thing that she had to prepare for um, for the draft was preparing. It's really important that they prepare in senior year because you kind of know the teams that are interested in her just by um, the fact that her college coach was letting us know who was calling and what they wanted to see um, in Jordan's game. So actually it was really her job at that point to make sure that her game was patterned, you know, um, and prepared for the draft. Right. So by the time it, you know, so that teams could actually make some, you know, informed choices. Well, she can do this, she can do that. This is what we're looking for. And, um, that was really important you know, that she prepare her game in senior year. Then once we found out that she was going to the draft, then, um, you know, you kind of have to prepare them for the media, you know, uh, what to say, what not to say. And, you know, UCLA, I I can't tell you how grateful I am to that staff because they really prepared her for, for the draft. Mm-hmm. They did everything that they could possibly do to prepare her so that she would be positioned in, um, you know, in at least the top, right. top 12, top 12 of the draft. So then you have to, it's media. Then you have to decide, you know, what you're going to wear, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and coach Shannon is a fashion icon. Okay. Coach Shannon awesome. at UCLA, she dresses to the nines. So I knew that, you know, it's kind of hard to dress your daughter because, you know, when you go in or when you go shopping, you know, it's always mom. I don't want to wear that. You know, that even though you may think it's appropriate and it's nice, they don't, they don't want to listen. Right. So I, I called up Coach Shannon. I said, hey, Coach Shannon, I need your help. She <laughs> says, you know what? I got you. Don't worry about it. Wow. So, um so she she actually dressed Jordan, and I mean she looked gorgeous. She did. I so, saw her. She looked beautiful yeah, in her little white she, ensemble. <laughs> that she was Coach did. Shannon. Yes, yes. yes. Well, thanks yes, to Coach yes. Shannon. Yes. So after that, you know, after preparing her for the media, for the dress, for you know, <clears throat> it's really it's just a, it's just a sit and wait. 
yeah, to see where she falls. Absolutely. So what was it yeah. like for you and your family to attend this event? And then you finally oh witnessed your, your daughter go fifth to the Seattle storm. I couldn't believe it. You know, it's still hard to believe when I, when I watch her on TV playing, I'm like, wow, you know, is this, is this really, did this really happen? You know, you still have to pinch yourself yeah. and you can never take, you can, you can never take anything for granted, Absolutely. you know? So, um, it's just, it's just amazing. It's just amazing to see, um, and all the sacrifices, you know, that you make as a parent, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's worth it. It's so worth it. If this is what they want. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, she had yeah. mentioned that Sue Bird was her favorite WNBA player growing up. How yes. surreal was that for her now to play with her as well as Brianna Stewart? It's, it's really surreal, especially during, you know, training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, when she had her first experience at training camp, she says, mom, I can hardly practice because I was watching super, you know, all the time. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was, it was just very special and awesome to her to be able to have, to play on the same team with her, you know, as your, as your idol, even (laughs) just to talk to her. And she said, mom, I I didn't even know what to say, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so she said it was kind of awkward, but well, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. at, at first that I can imagine it being awkward, right? But yeah, after yeah. a while, she just comes into her own yeah. person and just Sue is now yes. like her colleague. So exactly. So let's talk about her rookie year. What was that like? Was she nervous? And how did she eventually bring her own strengths to the team? Um, she was nervous, only you know, for the fact that you know she she's she was now a professional. And um, especially playing, you know, uh, playing with Sue, mm-hmm. that was, you know, um, kind of uh, nerve wracking for her because she knew that she, you know, she would she just thought that they would be critiquing her game. Right. You know, and it just so happens that it was the other way around. They embraced Jordan mm. and they took Jordan under, you know, under their wing, each and every one of them. And they said, look. Don't be nervous. Just go out there and just play your game, you know. And even Sue, Sue told her, don't try to be like me. You know, you are Jordan Canada. That's right. You be Jordan Canada. Don't be, don't try to be a Sue Bird. You know, bring your own thing to the team. And so, you know, a lot fell on her shoulders because she came off the bench with the second string. And, you know, the second string had to perform, Absolutely. you know, and she was the point guard and she had to, you know, to make sure that um, either they 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 maintained the lead and not lose it, right. you know, and they added points. So um, her goal was to just try and 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 do well. And to listen to everything that the coaches told her to do and just embrace her role. Yeah. You know, and she did. She did. She did very well at that. You know, I was when you watch games, you know, you have the starters and you know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. The the first starting five and they start the game and then you have like the second line coming. And the second line, you know, I can imagine it being nerve wracking for them because they kind of they got to keep that momentum up. They do. I mean, if if. If you're, if, I don't know, if 
if the points are doing really well, the team is doing really right. well, the second line comes, right. you know what I mean? So I can imagine Jordan coming on saying, okay, listen, I'm, I'm now right. the lead. You know, Sue Bird, she's sitting down now. She's resting. But now it's about right. me for the next four minutes, let's just say. And she exactly. had to, you know what I mean, really put herself in that role. But later right. during the season, Sue got injured and Jordan became the starter point guard. So what was exactly. that like for her now to really prepare for that? She actually, the second, that this was her second season when Sue didn't play at all. Yeah. And um, she was nervous because <laughs> she's, she, you know, now it all falls on me. Yeah. But after like the first couple of games, she says, okay, I can do this. You know, this is doable, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, she just had confidence. And then Sue was there on the bench, you know, practically every game and would talk to her and would tell her what to do and to how to look at the court, how to visualize. And, um, Jordan was just, she really blossomed, you know, that second, second season. Well, and, um, let me go back one sec to the uh-huh. first season. Cause her rookie season, she was a champion. So we can't ignore that. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that must have been yeah. amazing for her. Her first, it, her first, first season in the WNBA as a rookie, and here she is singing, "We Are Champions." So, yes, <laughs> I mean, how you know, beautiful and is it, that? The first thing, the 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 the, the thing I want to really point out was mm-hmm. the four years that she was at UCLA. Um, the core team, the you know, there was five of them that got drafted. They had the number one uh, draft. Uh, the, the number one, not draft, the number one um, college recruiting class yep. in 2018. So it was highly expected of them that they would bring a championship to UCLA. That never happened. They got close, but it never, you know, it never came to fruition. Right. So when she got to Seattle and won her first championship, I said, this is what we were waiting for yeah. it didn't happen in yes. college but her first year she is a champion yeah. and got a championship how i mean that doesn't happen no. normally you know <laughs> and for her to have a, a part of that to be a part of that it was it was just i can't even describe the experience yeah. you know of uh, her being a champion well, when you watch her play, what kind of impact do you feel she brings to the game? Um, I feel like she brings uh, a change of pace, mm. you know, yeah. when she comes in with the second string, you know, I feel like she speeds the game up a little and um, they never know what she's going to do yeah. as a point guard. You know, she never um, she's a pass first point guard which she's trying to learn to be more of a scoring point guard as well. But um, I feel like she sees the court really well, right? you know, and she's had the opportunity to sit and watch Sue play and how Sue visualizes. And that's, you know, that's a gem in itself. But I think her biggest impact is change of speed. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of WNBA players after their season go on to play overseas as the WNBA Mm -hmm. season is relatively short with, I think it's 36 games, and then they play playoffs Mm -hmm. if they make the playoffs. Right. So Jordan left for Poland shortly after winning her first championship. Mm -hmm. So 
playing overseas comes with a lot of factors as players are usually young. They're alone and are not yes. familiar with the language and the culture to where they're yes. playing. So how did yes. Jordan adjust to living and playing there? It was hard. It was, a, it was, I think, one of the biggest, the biggest obstacles that she ever has had to overcome. Right. The language was so different. And the coaches, you know, they hardly spoke any English. Um, for her, it was good because Mercedes Russell, they played on the same team. Okay. So they went to um, Krakow, Poland together. But in Poland, it was difficult because they were living in an apartment. And the apartments, the teammates, they were spread all over Krakow. And it was so far apart from one another that, you know, they, they really, you couldn't bond. You could hardly yeah. bond with your teammates. And then to have to, um, to learn how, how to navigate that city was also hard. They gave her a car, you know, her first year. So she had to learn how to drive in a foreign country. And um, the majority of the time she spent by herself. You know, and that was that was that it was it was lonely. It's a lonely experience for players. Um, it just depends on where you go and what country you choose to play for. Um, but for her first experience, it was really, really difficult. The game is so much different. You know, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the calling of the, the ref calling is so different. You know, you have to learn how to adjust to the game there. It's quicker, it's faster, you know, it's a quicker pace. And then you don't always get to start. (laughs) You know, it just depends, you know. And for her first year, um, you know, she started quite a few games, but quite a few games she didn't start. But overseas is a big adjustment. You're away from family. Um, you know, luckily, luckily technology is such now that you can always FaceTime and keep in touch, but it's, it's lonely, you know, it's lonely. Well, my son too played overseas. So I completely Mm -hmm. understand what you're saying because he too, he addressed it, but it did take Uh a while. The thing is a lot of the times he didn't tell me until way later. If I would speak to him or we would text or however we communicate, Uh it was, yeah, I'm good. But then to find out well, years see, later, you know what I mean? He had a whole different yeah. perspective. It was great, but, and was the but yeah. I didn't like. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's, that's a dude. He's not going to tell mom, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, 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 you know, how he really feels. He's going to suck it up and be a man. You yeah. Know? That's true. So, um, whereas, you know, females, they're like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. I can't, you know, most, <laughs> and the majority, the majority of, of, uh, you know, of the, uh, her friends, you know, they all felt the same way. Yeah. They all felt the same way. And we would watch some of her games overseas. And when they would play some of the teams where we knew the other WNBA players, we could see them actually whispering at each other, talking. <laughs> and <laughs> Finally, someone who understands me. <laughs> so and, yeah. how do you feel so she managed to find her comfort zone while playing there? She didn't. She just dealt with it. Yeah. She never found her comfort zone. She just, um, she just dealt with it, you know, because she knew that she had to honor her contract and she did, you know, she did as best she could, but the object of it is to actually 
go over there, you know, and, and make money, but also to get better, right. you know, at your game and to work on the things that you don't uh, normally get a chance to work on, you know, during the WNBA season. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think, I think she, she accomplished that, you know, as far as that, I, she accomplished that, but she came back saying, you know, well, now I know what to expect the next time I go, which now she's, you know, she's playing for uh, a, a team in Turkey. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. So after Poland, she came back, she played for the mm-hmm. Seattle storm um, right. again for her second season, but for women in right. professional basketball, it seems like they play all year round and they do. And they at do. times it, it, it's to make ends meet. So after her second season, she did not go overseas. Tell us why right. and how does she keep in shape until the 2020 season in the WNBA? Well, she decided not to go right away because she actually had knee surgery. Okay. She had to have her her uh, some cartilage in her knees cleaned up. Yeah. And um, it was actually the right knee, but then when she had her... Um, her MRI, he noticed that there were some in the left knee as well. So he says, well, you might as well get both of them done at the same time. So you won't have to worry about it. So actually that's what she did. She decided to have that done. And, um, she said, well, I won't, I won't, I'll just forego and I won't, you know, I won't do anything. So after her knees had healed and she got well enough to start practicing again, she practiced, she started practicing right away. So here in LA, she luckily has one of her uh, club team members. Um, her cousin is a personal trainer and he has his own, um, his own, um, elite sports training here Mm -hmm. called EA sports. So he, she works out a lot with him during her off season. And then of course she, you know, goes up to Wimward sometime and she works out with uh, Vanessa Nygaard, you know, who's yep. an ex, uh, WNBA yep. player and was also her coach yep. in, in I high school <laughs> for 11th and 12th grade. So shout out to coach. Yeah, Vanessa. I saw that. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, so she'll go up there and work out and then she'll go to UCLA and work out with the team, right? you know, at, at times. So then COVID hit and yeah. WNBA season came to a very late start in July. And mm-hmm. like the NBA, the woman played um, in the bubble. In the bubble, yeah. So let's talk about her experience in the bubble. I mean, there must have there must have been so much going on there. You know what I mean? Mentally and spiritually. There was. And of course, because now they're just stuck. You, you're, you're in this right. location and you just, it literally is a bubble. You just go in there and you don't come out and you just right. play your game, right. go back to your room. And you don't socialize. Well, that's it. And, you know, they so how was the her testing. experience there? Um, Jordan actually did not have a hard time in the bubble okay. because she, um, Jordan's kind of a recluse. She stays, her, <laughs> you know, she stays, she stays to herself a lot. So that didn't really bother her. You know, she likes to listen to her music. She likes to get on social media. She likes to talk to her friends. The mm-hmm. only thing that really bothered her was she couldn't work out. You know, she yeah. couldn't go to the gym and uh, put shots up, you know, or work out with some of her teammates. That was the hardest part uh, part of it. But I really think that helped them win a championship because 
they they are really I would say her teammates they're all very conservative individuals mm-hmm. and they all love their craft so much yeah. until they did whatever they had to do to win this championship. Absolutely. That time in the bubble probably gave them enough time to focus really on what counts and what matters. What counts, right. Yeah. And 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 Sue and um, Stu, uh, Stewie, they're such great leaders, yeah. you know. Um, and also Alicia Clark, mm-hmm. you know, she, they're so, they're such great leaders and they're so, they're the epitome of professionalism until, you know, you, you have great mentors. So you do as they do, you know, and if you don't, then they're going to pull your, your coattail and they're going to let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was so much going on during the bubble with uh, the WNBA with their say her name campaign. Um, and just so much going on with the social injustice. So how has Jordan used her platform to talk about these issues? Um, well, actually, she, she, this is something, you know, kind of new to her, um, the social platform issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've always talked about it as parents and what, what's going out on out there and, and what the concerns are. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't really think she focused on it until it actually happened. Yeah. And she started going through it and started experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think she used, you know, Twitter to as a social platform to let people know how uh, she was feeling. And of course, the WNBA joined together as um, as as a group to express those, you know, social concerns, um, whether it be. how they express themselves or in their attire or when they were interviewed, um, you know, they, they brought that to light in their interview and uh, said that wasn't really the focus. And I think Jordan really had a purpose, you know, she was playing for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that really, you know, that really helped her and also helped bring the attention to the social injustice going on and especially the WNBA um, with that Georgia runoff. I really think that they gave a platform and an air to that. And so many people listened until I think they really helped, um, you know, Warnock and uh, the other Senate, the other Senator win that race. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really believe that. I really believe that. I mean, the campaigns that they had, you know what I mean, and the players right. making sure that everybody was registered to vote. And that and was, people listened, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, myself and some parents, um, we formed a group. Well, I didn't form the group, but there was mm-hmm. a group formed with a bunch of parents, um, w- mm-hmm. oh, NBA parents, and... Mm-hmm. Um, our platform was making sure that people were out there registering voting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think I was on a zoom call with you. Yes. Actually. There you go. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I remember now. Yes. 
yes, yes. Okay. You remember that Zoom yes. call and the parents were yes. outraged and it was like, yeah, we all have to get together and figure this out. And out, it, right. yeah, yeah. And it, it was such a great call because mm-hmm. it really opened up our eyes. You know what I mean? As right. parents were like, okay, hold on a second. It was really about our kids now. Like right. our kids are roaming the planet and exactly. they're not safe. They're not safe. And right. and I just, I thought, I mean, for me, it was great. And they used to laugh at me because I'm like, listen, I'll help. I don't got a dog in the fight because I can't vote. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm Canadian. Uh-huh. I can't vote. <laughs> but I will do what I have to do to help everybody. You know what I mean? So there was a lot right. of things put together. There were a lot of moms and dads because now right. it was parents, right? It wasn't just a mom's group. It was parents. As you exactly. knew, you were there. And everybody was, you know what I mean, putting their ideas together as to what to mm-hmm. do. And as you remember, everybody was like, okay, I'm going to go out there and make sure that the people in my area are registered. Or I'm going to make sure that I vote. Right. I, I, I vote and make sure that I'm working right. at the polls. And, and right. that was, right. yeah, that was quite the time. Well, that, that was really, um, you know, um, because of the whole social injustice issue. Yeah. And you guys with the voting campaign, and that really... Um, enlightened me as to um, parents really participating yeah. in their, you know, young adult kids' lives. For sure. And that was one of the things that um, I had to get used to when I came to the WNBA because um, some of my, you know, my uh, closest friends are parents of Jordan's club team. And um, when she got to college... I even made, we even, you know, have the parents there were close friends. But when she got to become a professional, I was like, oh, wow, this is changing. Yeah. There's, you know, who who am I going to be close to? You know, I wasn't kind of used to that. Everybody kind of did their own thing. And, mm-hmm. then, you know, after the games, parents went their separate ways. And I wasn't, I wasn't, that's something that I had to adjust to. So actually when I got on the call, with you guys, I was like, wow, this really does exist. Absolutely. You know, um, NBA parents are really still involved in doing things and with the social injustice that was going on in the voting. I, and I mm-hmm. just thought that was just really, really a bright spot. Of course. We were know? very passionate. Very passionate. About what was going very passionate. on. So. Yes. Yes. So within the bubble, October mm-hmm. 6th, your baby became a champion for the second time. Right. Now, were you were you allowed to be at the game or were you at the game then? No, eh? No, we could not participate at all. And that was different, you know, yeah. because, you know, you want to be there. Her first year, we didn't go either because we weren't sure if they were going to win. <laughs> we weren't sure if they were going to win. <laughs> and I know that sounds bad. I know that really sounds bad. But we said, no, we'll just stay home and we'll, you know, we'll watch it on TV. And then when they won, we were like, oh, my God, we should have been there. Yeah. But anyway, and then in the bubble, of course, we would have been there, but <laughs> we couldn't go. We okay. couldn't go. But Seattle, um, the city of Seattle is so passionate about their sports, their team sports. I mean, when, you know, when they play. The stadium is packed. Yeah. And football, whatever sport it is, they're passionate. 
So, um, and Seattle itself, the owners, is such a great organization. They arranged a Zoom for us parents, um, just in case they won, mm-hmm. um, that we could, that they could put us up on the screen and, you know, they yep. could see us and we could celebrate. And, you know, that happened, which was really, really good. Right. You know, it was, it was just a very special moment, even though we couldn't be there. It was almost like yeah, we were there. It was like you were there. So yeah. Yeah. where is Jordan now? Um, actually she's on break. Um, the, European League is on break okay. right now for five or six days. Okay, but she's so, in Europe now. So where in Europe is she? Uh, she's in Hatay, Turkey. Okay. Which is like an hour and a half plane ride from Istanbul. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So what is that experience yeah. like for her? Like my son went to Turkey as well. So. Um, you know what? It's such a different experience from Poland this time around. Yeah. 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 Um, the team that's the, you know, the team owners and the coaches, they all embraced her. You know, they picked her up from the airport. She's living in a complex where all the um, Hatai teams live. Okay. So she has an apartment within the complex oh, okay. and all her teammates are there, you know, and uh, then they have a common room where they all go and they eat, they watch TV and they, you know, they can kind of socialize. But now since it's COVID again, it's social distancing. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot of that at all. So she's but in the compound very, with all her players. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. that's and so it, cool. It's, it's like a college dorm for adults. It is cool. <laughs> it's a dorm, right? It's, yeah. it's a dorm. For it's big a dorm people. For adults. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so she, you know, she feels more secure, you know, whereas in Poland, you know, she was on her own and, Mm -hmm. you know, she was in an apartment building and, uh, you know, she felt less secure, you know, and she was on the ground floor and, you know, it's it's just totally different. Yeah, yeah. it's different, different countries, different, different 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 experience. What does she appreciate about her experience overseas? Uh, I think just the fact that... uh, survival mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i know it sounds strange but you know it it feels it gives her a sense of accomplishment right like you know i i can do this you know i can it's doable right you know especially this experience um is so different she realizes now that you know it's doable not every place is the same and you know you're going to have different experiences and uh sure. she said mom i just have to learn to embrace that yeah so, yeah. So yeah. Jordan is a Jordan athlete. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about that a bit. How did that come about? That That is so, I mean, it's so surreal because Jordan, you know, like when she was little, mm-hmm. okay, every kid used, would get up and watch cartoons on Saturdays, yep. okay? Not Jordan. Jordan would get up and stick in, at the time it was VHS, the NBA Classics. Okay, and this was when (laughs) she was like six and seven. And she would sit there and study. Okay, I mean, like you watch cartoons, like a kid Mm -hmm. watch cartoons, she would watch the classics. Yeah. And her father had bought her a set. And so she, she would just sit there and watch Michael Jordan. And for the longest time, until Kobe actually came around, 
that was her idol, her NBA idol. And to have her now, you know, represent it, you know, be a, um, mm-hmm. have them represent her, is just amazing. I think she's she's just ecstatic, you know, because this is something that she's always dreamed of. Even in high school, you know, she um, wanted to be a Jordan athlete. Wow. Yeah. So, um, actually, Eileen Hauser was her Nike rep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jordan used to talk to her about being a, um, a Jordan athlete. Mm-hmm. And so Eileen actually made that happen for her, you know. And then it became a little easier when UCLA signed with uh, Jordan Brand. Right. So now UCLA is Jordan Brand. So, uh, you know, she and Russell Westbrook actually did an advertisement for UCLA yes. becoming the Jordan brand, yes. which was just that, that just sent chills. When I, <laughs> I, I, I think I must've played that about 50 times, but don't, don't, don't tell anybody. <laughs> finally she had to say mom, cause she would, you know, she would call me and she said, what are you, what are you doing? And either I'm usually watching one of her, her old games, you know, her old Seattle games, the championship game, or I'm doing something on social media, watching her and she said mom how many times have you actually watched that I said oh about 50 and she just shakes her head you are her biggest fan I'm her biggest fan but I think her dad is too I think her her dad is too yeah yeah well you are obviously a WNBA fan so for those who are not in the know about women's basketball or the WNBA Mm -hmm. for that matter what do you say that they're missing out by not watching? They're missing out on a lot. I mean, the skill that these women have to have in order to play the game mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. Um, the work that they have to put in, you know, mm-hmm. to be just as good, you know, um, as the NBA which a lot of them try to be, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's just a fact. And, um, a lot of them watch the guys in the NBA play and they, they pattern their games after them. And, and, you know, for those who have not watched, they need to just sit down and just watch a game. And a lot of people never, you know, they never even think about watching the WNBA, but once they start watching it, I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to people, you know, um, because of everyone having to be quarantined, you know, um, people have had a lot of time on their hands. Right. And I've actually spoken to people who have watched the WNBA play. And they said once they watched one game and the second game, they got hooked, Yeah, you know, because they say these girls actually have to have skills, oh, you know, sure. um, sure. in, in, in order to play. They, you know, most of them don't dunk, but they can shoot, yeah. you know, they can pass. They, you know, and it's with such precision, you know, to me, I, I just find it phenomenal. You know, they're phenomenal women. Well, let's learn some fun facts now about uh-huh. Jordan. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
All right, tell me, Mom, what is that go-to dish that you make that she absolutely loves? Salmon croquettes. Oh, okay. Never heard that answer before. Love it. Yes. What was one item as a child that she could not live without? Basketball. Her basketball. (laughs) Okay, so... I was watching Jordan, an interview Uh that she did, and she was Uh talking about the teddy bear that you that you bought her. I think I think she said she was I don't know. She was she was little and she brought Yes. And she brought it to Poland, which I thought was so cute because I'm thinking, wow, like she's in her 20s now and she still has that for mom. Yes, actually, (laughs) I think I have heard it. Uh, her name is Lucy, actually. Oh, okay. And I I bought it for her for Valentine's Day yes. when she was in second grade. And I can't tell you how many times I've stitched Lucy up. <laughs> and Lucy, Lucy has her own laundry bag that I have to put her in so that I can wash her and keep her clean. Is, but yes. is Lucy in Turkey? No, actually, she forgot Lucy. So, but Lucy's in good hands. Oh, of course. Of course, <laughs> yes. of course. Like, yes. She's like part of the family. Yeah, of course. Lucy's been around for a minute. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So, did you have a childhood nickname for her? And if you did, what was it? Uh-oh. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> okay. Before you say it. Jordan, forgive me. Her nickname is Hootie. And that's because when she was a baby, she would form her lips and she formed it and she would hoot like an owl. Yeah. You know, she would go. I love it. So we I we named her Hootie. And so it stuck. And family to this day, you know, on my husband's side, still call her that. And she live it. She's like. Please don't let anybody know that. So I'm going to get in trouble, but hey. Yeah. So I'm hoping that this episode has the most (laughs) viewers ever in Courtside Mama history. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She'll forgive you, Mom. She'll forgive you. You know what? My motto is it's always better to ask for forgiveness than permission. So you'll be all right. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and and you know what? It's endearing. Of course right? it is. It's endearing. Of course it comes it from is. place of love. Of so. course. Of course. Yes. Well, I appreciate yes. you telling us, Mom. Now we want to ask um, some tips and advice. So mm-hmm. what three tips would you give a mom who has to deal with a coaching decision that she did not agree with? My advice would be to just not say anything. Yes, because when they get to the pros, they're going to have to learn how to deal with a lot of coaching decisions that they don't agree with. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to handle it like an adult. And it's a business and it's a profession. That's right. And even though you don't agree with a lot, you're still going to have to learn how to um, how to handle it. Absolutely. And so. My, my thing is, don't get involved. Like I said, when we went to UCLA, I told Coach Corey, I said, we will, my husband and I, we will not interfere. 
you know, Jordan committed to you. Jordan is yours, you know, as terms of basketball decisions and whatever you decide to do, this is where, you know, we don't interfere. Absolutely. And I think that helps because when you go to college and you go to the tournaments where it's a viewing tournament, coaches are not only watching your child, they're watching you as well. That's right. And they're watching how you handle yourself. Of course. So that would be my advice. Yeah. Nobody wants to see somebody's mama flying across the, <laughs> the court. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. <laughs> Me too. Who do I speak to? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. yeah I'm like, right, wow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We all just sit back and wait. <laughs> Right. To see if that person she's asking for actually says me. Yeah. Exactly. Never seen exactly. that person come about. Never. So. <laughs> right. 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 So right. now what advice would you give to a player about how to deal with a tough teammate? That is, uh, that's a very, very interesting question. Um, you know what? I think that, like I said, there's adversity in everything. And, um, you know, you just have to find, you, you just have to find a way, mm-hmm. you know, and you, you, you don't stop until you do, Yeah, you know, and sometimes you have to be the bigger person. And, um, in a lot of instances, especially when you are a leader of a team and you have to show leadership, you know, at all times and be the bigger person and find, Find something that that teammate really enjoys or really likes and is passionate about and have those conversations or try to win that teammate over by doing something, you know, really nice for that teammate that, you know, she will love and that that's her passion. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just try to try to overcome it because it happens. I mean, you know, it happens in every aspect of life. Yeah, so. it does. It does. Yeah. And lastly, if you could give only one piece of advice to another courtside mom, what would it mm-hmm. be? Just support your child. Yes. Love your child and support your child. Um, you know, the decisions that they make. You may not always agree with, but support them and love them. That would be my advice. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Joyce, I absolutely love talking to you. Thank you. I enjoyed this as well. Thank you, Wendy. I'm so honored. You really taught me a lot about Jordan and yourself and the WNBA and the process that uh, that you both dealt with and you as a family. That's important that people understand the truth and what really goes yeah, on. Yeah, I think it is. Yes, yes. I think you- it is. And... And to share, that's, you know. For sure. That's what we're about here at Courtside Moms. We just want to share and we want everybody else to have a platform to share their stories as well. Well, thank you. I feel honored and privileged that that you chose me and uh, it was fun. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Courtside Moms and make sure you subscribe to the podcast.